Hello and welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. On today's episode, we are doing something a little bit different. I'm joined by three performers as we discuss property for performers and creatives. I'm joined by Adam Galbraith, Tommy Franzen and Sean Smith, who have all had successful careers as performers. Their careers have seen them perform across TV, film and theatre. They've also built up successful property businesses. So they've got on the property ladder themselves and then continue to build their business where now they make a residual income from it. We dispel the myth of freelancers being able to get onto the property ladder and also learn some tips and tricks and why learning is such an important value to have as an entrepreneur and as a creative. Now on with the show. Today on the Business of Show Business podcast, I'm joined by three guests as we explore performers' property. I'm joined by Adam, Sean and Tommy, who are all highly successful performers who have not only got on the property ladder for themselves, but also manage, rent and invest in properties alongside their performing careers as a source of income. Adam, do you want to take to the floor first and kind of give yourself a little intro? Good morning, Jamie. Yeah, thanks very much. And thanks for having us on here. Uh, Great to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm Adam. I have been a dancer and actor in television theatre and film for the last 23 years um i predominantly worked with matthew bourne for 15 of those years um principal dancer with him for 10 um touring the world etc having a great time i got into my 30s and realized that this career is not forever and as dancers and performers we don't get paid like footballers where i can afford to retire in the life of luxury so I had to sort of think of what what else can I do? And I, and originally I got into, I retrained in sports therapy, sports massage. And I actually opened up a sports therapy business in central London, in Russell Square. And I was running that and I was running myself into the ground doing that because it was my own time. And if I wasn't massaging, I wasn't getting paid, etc. And because I had my weekends off, uh, my first sort of insight into sort of entrepreneurship, I had my weekends off and... I asked the uh, fitness first who I was working for at the time whether or not I could sublease the room that I was renting for them. And they let me do that. And so I, I rented that out at the weekends and it was like 70 quid an hour, uh, seventy quid for the, for the day. And I, I got um, uh, an IPL company in and they were renting it for the weekend. And basically for their rent over the weekend was paying 85% of my monthly rent and I thought, this is quite good. So I thought, well, if that works, then I started renting out um, uh, it during the week for a day. And then I was starting to get into profit with that. And I thought, actually, now the room is paying me money. So I then condensed my hours with massage into two days a week, which I was getting X amount for. But renting the room out on the other days of each week, I, I was actually getting paid about £700 a month on top of that. And I thought, this is a really bloody good model here so and I started to look into expanding into different fitness first and things like that anyway it didn't uh I moved out of London and and sort of uh that that didn't build up but I knew there was there was something there and there there was ways of making money and um I I sold a property that I had with my ex-partner and had a bit of money and I had a boy have a boy he was sort of four at the time and it was it was a case of when I got this money do I do I go and have a wonderful time in Thailand for five years or or do I sort of learn how to 
to do things properly with it. And then I was introduced to Tommy by a mutual friend and he he showed me the light and the green the green pathway as opposed to taking the blue pill or the red pill, whichever one you choose to do. Um, and I started learning about property from sort of 2015, 2016 onwards. Um, have built up a portfolio of buy to lets and we run service accommodation together. Um, we do rent to rent strategies. We've tried commercial conversions. So we've been in it for quite some time. And I've just, you know, I, I'm very much, a, I don't want to say giver rather than receiver. I am a giver. Uh, I just, and with this last year of, of COVID, it's realized that had I not had the um, sort of residual income through property that I've managed to build up over the last few years, I'd have been quite screwed and really uncomfortable financial wise as you know our industry has been so fragile so i'm just out and about now to try and offer as much help and advice as i can i'm not a i'm not a trainer i'm not a mentor but i just like to offer people what has worked for me to try and help other uh, sort of self-employed uh, people you know um, have the chance to have another income and and that for me is is property so that's a little bit about me Fantastic. Uh, let's pass the mic to Tommy after you introduced him so well. <laughs> Brilliant. Hi, Jamie and everyone. Yeah, my name is Tommy. I've also been in, in the dance industry for a very long time. I think like 26 years now. Choreograph these days as well. And uh, been working uh, lots of different things, but predominantly in within hip hop dance theatre. Um, as likes of companies as um, Zoo Nation and Boy Blue, uh, as companies I've worked with, uh, with Sean actually. We've done quite a few things together in the past. And uh, Adam and I did a film just a few years ago, Mamma Mia 2. So we've done one job together. I went into property also um, in 2013. So eight years ago now. And the reason I went into it, it was quite funny. We've got a similar journey. Like I went into sports massage before that, just like Adam. So I did that for a few years and realized that there wasn't kind of a replacement for dance because I was thinking I need some kind of backup plan. But massage still needs your time and your energy and your physicality. And then I... Um, I bumped into a friend who had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that book, and she recommended that I read it. And once I read that, then it all clicked into place. I realized what active income versus passive income was and what is an asset, what is a liability. Um, and he teaches a few different ways of creating passive income and assets or uh, acquiring assets but uses property as the main kind of vehicle. And I've always had an interest in property. Um, I've never known much about it, but I, I found them interesting. So I decided that that was going to be the way. So yes, yeah, so I, I jumped on it, uh, got some training and got mentoring, um, all that kind of things and uh, went full force into it. Um, and yeah, I've for the first year, in a half two years I was probably full time and since then gone back into performing a lot again uh, and running on the on the sidelines and like Adam if it wasn't for my property portfolio I managed to fall through all the cracks in the kind of grants and help from the government and um, so yeah it was uh, it was definitely a savior to have that portfolio to be honest because otherwise I would have been in trouble. <laughs>
and Sean, how about you take the mic now and give us a little little twirl and introduce yourself? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me do a little twirl. <laughs> hey, I know this is a podcast, so that didn't really work. Anyway, I did a spin. But they can go hear on. the wheels turning on the chair. That they're painting the picture. <laughs> there you go. So, hello, my name's Sean. So, a bit about me. I'm a dancer as well. I'm the young pup of the group, I think. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm definitely not young though. Yeah, nearly 34 and all that. But I basically been dancing similar to Tommy. Um, my main passion was hip hop, hip hop theatre, commercial dance. Um, I did a bit of musical theatre and stuff in my time as well. But that was my main passion. And then uh, kids came along. So I had, <laughs> I had kids. Before kids, I was completely reckless, completely just did not care about money, just wanted to enjoy life. I've got a whole pencil rich story, which I think a lot of dancers could relate to. I can explain that later on. Um, but yeah, basically my kids came along and I had to grow up very, very quickly. Um, I didn't have my head on my shoulders. Um, and I, the first person I called was Tommy because I knew Tommy was into property. That's literally what I knew. And I knew he was very sensible and very good at what he does. And obviously we got on quite well from working together for a few years. And I, and, uh, I, I said, Tommy <laughs> help. What do I need to do? Um, I'm, because by that point the kids came I delved into teaching which I love teaching don't get me wrong absolutely I always knew I was going to be a teacher I love teaching dance I love just teaching in general um but it gets to a point when you stop becoming creative and you just churning out stuff for teaching for teaching sake just for the money you lose the passion you lose a drive uh and I believe it's a road that a lot of dancers do go down um, because, you know, if we are creative, we are dancers, that's all we know. If you've not got a backup plan, which I didn't, then you kind of get drawn into that, whether it's PT, whether it's teaching, whatever that may be. And if you love it, amazing. If you get to, like I did, get a bit stale, um, I was, you know, getting really down, getting really depressed. So I called Tommy. I was like, look, mate, I need to get some financial stability. I, I need to put, you know, food on the table for the kids. I need to pay the bills. I can't be working like this my whole life um my body is already useless i get injured like every other week um and so he basically like someone said to him said read rich dad poor dad um i said cool uh and then he just started basically telling me about property we went into business together he has been basically a sensei of mine ever since and um yeah that's that's kind of how i got started so i feel like everyone needs tommy in the life and you should be brand ambassadors for rich dad poor dad i feel i was trying to think of a panel show and all i could think of was like loose women and we're definitely not loose women right now so <laughs> get that out of your head this kind of come about i jumped into one of your rooms on clubhouse which we were saying off air it's got its pros and cons but you guys run a property performance chat on there how did that little brainchild come about and did you realise there was kind of a need for it? Because a lot of performers, as you said, were maybe going, to, going down other side avenues of work or were on the property ladder themselves. So they therefore maybe had a little bit of extra income they could reinvest. Yeah. So um, I think, it is, like you said, it's very, very new. Uh, I found out about it from a friend. I jumped on it uh, and I, I kind of heard the chats. And actually, it was a friend of mine. It was like, oh, you're doing some property stuff. You should do a chat about property. Uh, and then I phoned Tommy and I said, Tommy, I, I feel like there's something in this because for a while I'd been thinking, which I think exactly the same as what Adam had been thinking for years, is that there's something in our industry that is just not right. And I, I say our industry, I think in school education in general, there's not right. because You don't get taught about financial IQ, which is what the basics of Rich Dad, Poor Dad is. Um, and then me and Tommy started chatting and I said, like, we, we should do a room 
Um, and we kind of went back and forth whether we should do like performers in property, whether it should just be basics in property. Uh, and we decided that, you know, we're from a performing background. Let's try and help our people out. Um, and, and that's kind of how it came about. And then it was like, right, okay, let's get, let's gather a few people who we know. They don't, have, you know, not all of us are at different stages. Gather a few people together within the industry who have an interest or who are actively doing property. Um, and let's start having a chat. And I think, Adam, if you want to come in on this as well, I think we, we've kind of both got the same sort of mindset and, and vision in terms of helping our industry out, um, whether it is mindset, whether it is within skills. Uh, like Adam said earlier, none of us are, uh, are teachers or mentors yet, because I believe we will be at one point, because it's definitely something I love to do. But um, yeah, I think we were kind of on the same trajectory. And we kind of just we've kind of come together. And it's a really nice, friendly room, I think. Yeah, I agree, um, Sean. It was, yeah, it was like sort of um, paths aligning. I have had, and I've spoke to Tommy probably three years ago, four years ago. I was like, you know, people, kids in, in especially in the performing art, arts industry are geared to being put out into the world as self-employed people. In colleges, I was never taught, and I'm pretty sure that, um, they're not taught now, you know, even the basics of, of, of what it costs to live in the world, like how much your rent will cost in your area, how much you'll spend on food if you need car or travel or, or bills or, you know, we don't know anything like that. And we don't know as kids and students, you know, we all get said, you know, we, we all have you know, careers advice, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a, a doctor or a lawyer, or I want to be a teacher or a farmer or whatever job it is. But we're not taught to, we're not taught, okay, well, how much does that farmer earn? Or how much does that policeman earn? And say I earn £35,000 a year being a policeman. I'm just plucking strings and, and numbers here. But then I go out into the world and then I go, okay, well, where I want to live, my rent is going to cost me this, 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 and the, this. And actually my living expenses are £3,000 a month. That's £36,000 a year just to live. That's my salary right there. So what do I do if I want to have a holiday or if I want a nicer car or if I want to live in a bigger house or have a, a, a better lifestyle? We've got to be able to bring in income and uh, from from other streams and so as dancers and performers we're not paid all the time sometimes the wages are really crap sometimes you know we do the job just because we actually love our art and what we do and that's our and it's our passion luckily the three of us here we've you know we've managed to make a very successful career each in our own field but there are times when we're not working and, and money runs thin on the ground sometimes so the importance to anyone who is self-employed in whatever industry is to have if, if you are not working you don't get paid it's it's simple but if if you're working and you have other ways of bringing in extra income it doesn't have to be property it could be selling a product online like e-commerce or it could be you know there's there's so many different income streams that have you know we've had our eyes open to it's just the fact that we've all gravitated towards property why we we all sort of align so well but if you've got that extra income it's not so hard when you're not working and then also if you can on the times when you're not working if you can work on building up that residual income then it also puts you in a great position where you can take the jobs you want to take as opposed to taking the jobs 
you have to take because you need the money. We've all done jobs and crap jobs because we need the we need the money. But it then gives you the freedom if you've got other income coming in. And that's the great thing about residual income and the great thing that we've found with with property as we're moving through our journeys and we're we're both we're all at very different phases and all of us in property, that that income then gives you the choice for whatever you want to do with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Um, and it's off that then, Tommy, do you want to, earlier on, you mentioned about passive income and quite often as performers, um, just jumping on what Adam said there, we kind of sometimes live paycheck to paycheck or you have great months when a film comes in and then months when it's more corporate gigs. But having a passive income means you're always making a certain level of income. So do you want to maybe explain a bit more for the listeners who might be like, what is this? How do I get it? But can you explain a bit more about passive income and how you as a business kind of have that income coming in? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, in Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, he explains it uh, very well with using a quadrant. So if you imagine you have four squares and the two to the left are active income and two to the right are passive income. So the one to the left, you'll have employment and self-employment. So they, they need your time and efforts to get paid. If you don't work, you don't get paid. And then on the other side, where you have passive income, he puts business as one and then investing as the other. So um, property kind of ends up in both of those, in business and in investments, because investment can also be in, in the stock market, in gold or, well, actually in gold, it doesn't actually pay you a passive income. But what I really like about property particularly is that it is an asset that increases in value over time but also pays you a passive income. Um, like gold, for example, is something that probably will go up in value, but it doesn't pay you, it doesn't help you on a day-to-day basis. With a passive income, you know, whether you work or don't work, you have that income coming in regardless. Um, so I, I think it's very important to have basically income from both sides, from the left side and the right side, because if you can't, work for some reason then you have your income the passive income from the right side it could be that you have a business and you get have basically passive income from that business but if the business goes down you still want to be able to make income on the active side so you're safeguarding yourself from both sides but being in one field i would say it's a little bit riskier but then you can diversify, obviously, on the passive income side as well. So for us, with the passive income, it is the, the rental income from our properties. So once we've set up a property, bought it, we refurb, we've got a let, then it's pretty much passive. Nothing is truly passive unless it's you earning just dividends from, from um, something or basically putting money in a savings account where the, rental, uh, the interest is very small. But it is pretty much passive in you know, and comparing to active income, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> you don't do much for that money, if you mean. And yeah, and the more you can expand on that, the, the, the more security you're going to have. Some performers listening now might not even realize that, like, say, for instance, you're a performer who's a qualified yoga instructor, you may have three yoga videos online that anyone can buy and watch at their own time, and you'll get that residual income. So some people might already slowly be chipping away at other income streams and maybe not realize how you can dive into it. One thing I also want to quickly touch on is how all of you tried something else before realizing property was the cog that turned. And I think sometimes 
you have to try something to realize it's not for you or maybe for sure. And I know you teach still, but by doing property, you now find your love for teaching again. So for all of you, was there kind of a moment, like a light bulb moment with A, you had to overcome that barrier because quite often as a performer, we're very in it. So when you try and tell someone you want to do something else, it can be a bit like, oh, that's a different world. So was there a moment that you each maybe faced that obstacle of, hang on, I need to take time to invest and explore this other avenue. Um, Adam, do you want to start us off? Yeah, mindset, I think, is is a massive, massive issue for a lot of performers because you work on a contract and you save up 10, 15, 20 grand, whatever the job is, and that money's our hard-earned money. And we now may be out of work for another two, three, four months. So we naturally, we think, well, that money's going to help me through that quiet period. And it's very hard to to let go of that or think about investing that money in any other area because we we don't know when our next job is the best thing i did was was read and read books that were able to shift my mindset into a different way of thinking and again as tommy said and the other guy said rich dad poor dad was the first one that i read and it is the mindset shift of of putting your money into something uh that is an asset as opposed to a liability holding your money to pay your rent is is putting your money into a liability putting that money into uh an asset that can potentially pay you 200 300 pounds a month is an absolute asset and so i had to do a big lot of mindset shifting before i made that decision and the the only other thing was when when I started working with Tommy, my mindset was blocked in the fact that I've I've got my money and I don't want to give it to anyone else unless I unless it's going to help me grow my money. And that's when it's it's when you get into the education of everything. You know, Tommy said, "Oh, try this little course and see if you like it." And so I went on a couple of free free day courses and a free weekend courses. And I started to really think, actually, I I really do like this. This is something that's going to be for me. Uh, uh, it was, um, you know, all the different strategies that there's so much and property is so in depth that it can become quite overwhelming. And you really have to sort of fix yourself on on where you want to go. But my mindset at the start was that I don't, I'm not going to pay for any courses. I'm not going to pay for this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, if you... If you want to be a professional tennis player or a professional golfer, you're not going to get through to be at that level if you don't pay for a professional coach, you know, and it's the same in anything. If you want to if you want to learn or do a new course or study a new something, you you pay for that. You pay for that that course. Like when I trained for sports massage, I got a qualification to be a sports massage therapist. I paid for that. I'm paying now to learn and educate myself in property. And I couldn't see that initially um, because I was so scared. And so, you know, I had my money, but I, I, you know, I wasn't sure. And when you go into a situation and you and you don't know what you don't know, that old technique, that old funny phrase. But the more you have the confidence and, the, you know, you can sort of drip feed yourself into it. But the best thing I ever did was start to pay for a few courses, you know, a couple of grand here for this course, a couple of grand. And it just built up my knowledge built up my confidence and and now I, I highly recommend it. So 
education is absolutely key. I know Sean is Sean will totally back me up on this because he's he you know one hundred percent believes that. And and Tommy you know Tommy doesn't ever say it, but he just drip feeds it into you subliminally without without knowing. Sean, what's your thoughts on education? Uh, for me, it's absolutely the be all and end all. Um, I feel like even within dance, I was always very interested because I started late anyway, so my technique was awful. But I was always interested in knowing the technique behind everything. Um, even going to you know gymnastics in the evening, I used to throw myself about. But I'd always really want to learn the technique. And um, listen, I'm definitely no technician at all. But I've I've always thought, okay, I need to know how it's done. So I've always think that in the dance perspective, I personally feel like I've always been one to look at the technique and kind of uh, don't have as much flair. Whereas certain dancers and performers have that flair, but don't have that technique. Liken it to property. When I first got into it, I was like, right, I'm just going to go all in straight away because I'm a bit gun ho I was like, right, come on, let's go. Bought a property straight away. Uh, and in hindsight, um, I, I see the journey as the parallel of, you know, me and Tommy. Tommy invested in himself first in education. I went straight for the property. Uh, and the journey of what we've done is completely different. And uh, his is by far, you know, exponentially greater than what I did. Um, but now I've really assessed and gone, okay, I see what you've done. I see what I've done. I see what, what the best route is to do. So now I've really gone back and really an advocate for education in property or whatever investment strategy you want to do. So I think the, the old saying, you need to invest in yourself first um, and then the rest will pay dividends, definitely. Completely. Yeah. And Tommy, I'll open up to you in a second. But one thing I love that you said there is like learning from it. I think as performers, we um, we give a lot of power to our agent, our manager, go to the audition, don't get it. But we don't often sit to look at it as data. What didn't work? Even down to like what I wore, what did I sing? What agents get who in the room? And I think like looking at things as data so you can learn is it's a skill a lot of performers need and sometimes don't realise they have. Just taking a quick moment halfway through the episode so we can pause so you can absorb all of the information. I know I learned loads during the interview and I was scribbling notes throughout and after. As they mentioned through the episode, they do have a, a club on Clubhouse talking about performance property. If you want to know more about the app, chuck me a message or chuck one of them a message and they'll let you know more. I will pop their contact details in the show notes so you can click on that and reach out to them. And also, if you are enjoying the episode, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your review. Now back on with the show. Tommy, same question to you. Your mindset and swapping it when you took the decision to kind of go into property more. Yeah, uh, I mean, as I said, it, it, it all started with that one book. And then I got so hooked on reading books uh, about property and personal development because it's uh, it's quite um it can be quite scary going into something new and uh you're talking about quite a lot of money when you talk about property uh, at least it feels like a lot of money when you're a dancer when you you know earning pennies sometimes and it's you know talking deposits and things like that for properties it's, it's quite scary so i really had to um and wanted to learn more and improve just the way I saw things, which that poor dad was the kind of the carrot. It was like, oh, wow, it's a whole nother world out there. There's so much I need to learn and, and want to learn. And I took more of a deep dive into my education. Um, I, I, went, <laughs> I went, went all in. I wouldn't say that your journey is shown as, as it's, you know, that mine is better than yours or anything, because you, you went into education quite early still. You bought early, but you also went into education um, early as well, um, as opposed to 
buying a property to have no clue and then you know <laughs> yeah. years go by and then realize oh i should have educated myself because i made a mess of it yeah. so i still think you're on a, on a very good journey you've achieved so much um already in a very short amount of time um one thing i actually wanted to uh touch on again um which uh, relates to th this um business side on the passive income um when he Robert Kiyosaki, who is the author, when he talks about business, he means business that is completely doesn't doesn't need you. Basically, he says it needs to be over two employees in the company, but I I, I don't think that's the, necessarily the case. But if you have a business that you can go away from for three months, and it runs without you, or maybe even better without you, that's when you have a passive income. Because a lot of people have businesses and they think they have a business, but they are teaching yoga, for example, or they have a dance school, but their dance school needs you there all the time. You're doing the scheduling, you're getting the people in. Yeah. And, you know, you can do the marketing, for example. Then you are basically self-employed, even though you're running it as a company. So I think that's the, the main, main, main thing. If you, if you are to have a true passive income from business, you need to be able to step away from it. And it often gets harder if you have, if you um, are basically um, what's called linking your personal brand to the company, because then people are buying into you. So what a lot of people have done is that they start a company, whether it's a dance school or yoga school or whatever it is, in something that's not related to yourself, because then they eventually they won't be expecting you all the time. Because <laughs> it gets harder if it's the Tommy Franzen dance school, they want Tommy Franzen. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great um, analogy, because at the end of the day, everyone will have a personal brand, obviously their reputation, how they show up, what they deliver, but being able to detach that from your work. I think that's a great way to put it because so many performers will be in it so much. But at the end of the day, you are a personal brand who's in a West End musical. You are a personal brand in that pop video. So it's knowing what you add to it, but then also, as you said, knowing that you can step away. What I want to jump on next, actually, is the... I feel like there was one dancer many years ago who started this room and said, I can't get a house. And now everyone thinks, oh, it's so hard for performers to get a house. But obviously, the three of you alone are like, obviously, speak to the fact that's not the case. Do any of you maybe have some tips or tricks or suggestions for someone who's wanting to get on the property ladder, who may have a bit of chunk of money aside but is scared to invest it as you said Adam sometimes people are scared to invest their money they kind of cling on to it as creative so maybe again start with you Adam do you have any tips or tricks for anyone who wants to get on the property ladder who is a freelancer or creative yeah I mean the, f the first thing again and it, and it does go back to mindset as well I think most of most of us dancers the majority of us are based down south right and the property prices down south are generally a lot more expensive and higher than further up north. Uh, we invest in in the Midlands and further, um, sort of Stoke, Glasgow, uh, Crewe. <clears throat> now just, I'm just here now in Liverpool investing as well. So I think for dancers and performers, especially, you know, the majority of our network of dancers and performers based in and around London, because that's what we know, that's where we trained and that's where we have our network and a lot of us live. So we think, oh, to buy ourselves a flat, it, it's going to cost me, you know, 250,000, a quarter of a million pounds. You know, is it realistic that I'm going to be able to save up a 25% deposit? Can I get 50, 60, 70, 80,000 pounds together? That's a mind blowing sum for for a, a dancer to be able to think that they can have to invest. So then they will naturally put themselves in the mindset of, oh, I'm never gonna be able to afford in London. But 
you don't have to buy where you live. You can buy and put your money anywhere. There is no safer place, I believe, currently than to put your money than in, in property. Because the whole, you know, there's all the talk about the budget and everything that's coming out. The inflation, inflation always rises more than our average salary, right? So at the end of the day, what's happening is the price of money is basically devaluing. And it's devaluing to the point where actually it's going to cost us to have our money in the banks. It's actually safer to keep all your money under your mattress as long as you've got a good alarm in your house. Do you know what I mean? So the banks are going to start charging us. So... Property, you know, there's this whole talk about property doubling every seven to 10 years, which is is a bit weird. On average, it has. Yes, in London, it grows a lot more than others. Further up north, you don't get as much capital growth, but you will always property never goes. Even if it goes down in value, it will always go back up slowly and you can never buy at a bad time. My only my only my main thought is is you can only sell at a bad time. Because even if you buy at a peak and suddenly the property drops and the prices drop down, if you hold on to that property long enough, the prices will go back up and you will make. You should never lose money unless the only time you will lose money is if you sell at a wrong time. You can, if, if a, a dancer and a performer, you know, you can get into property with as little as 10, 15, 20,000 pounds. Tommy and I just purchasing a property, uh, you know, my first flat that I bought was £40,000 in Glasgow and it cost me £16,000 to get in. And that has cash flowed me £270, £280 a month since I've, and I've had that for five years now. I bought that with my equity pension. I pulled out the money that I had in my equity pension. This is probably another conversation, but I put, I managed to pull that out early because my equity pension was going to pay me £116 a month from when I was 65 or something. And they really bigged that up. Woohoo, Aviva. Yeah, £116 your pension will be worth. And I managed to pull that out early and I bought my first flat with it. But that was because I was shown how to do it and I was told how to do it. But you don't know what you don't know. If you don't know how to get into property, you're going to think it's impossible. So... You can invest outside of London. It doesn't matter if your equity is in your own home that you live in or if your equity is in a property that you earn some income from. It's still your equity. And I think that's a shift that would really help a lot of performers. Yeah, no, that was fab. There was so much there. I'm like trying to scribble notes while still keeping up the rapport. But I'm like, yes, Jamie, learn this. You're doing a wonderful <laughs> job. <laughs> um, if, until I look at my notes and I'm like, what did that say? Uh, Sean, jump on that. Do you have any tips or tricks maybe or any advice from learning getting on the pro property ladder initially? Yeah. So I would say start early, start small. Um, there's a bit. There's a book called Richest Man in, Richest Man in Babylon and it, it basically talks about just putting some stuff aside each month and the more you do that the more confidence you will have um so just start that's why i've got this thing about getting into colleges and speaking to kids in colleges and just saying just start now just start now you're going to thank yourself later even if it's small things um i would also say that uh, get it getting good people around you i.e accountants and brokers and and speak to people like us ask for recommendations etc um, because they are your power team, um, even if it's just for residential, for somewhere you want to live. So if we're talking about a dancer that wants to buy their own place, uh, get a good accountant. Don't do it by yourself. Yes, you might save a couple of hundred quid, but in the long run, you won't. And then, then professionals that you're paying that money for, they are going to help you 
they should pay for themselves basically because they're helping you so much and they can make you look as good as possible in the eyes of a lender because at the end of the day that's who you need to look good for is the lender so they will lend you your mortgage obviously with the budget there's a whole new incentive of 95 percent loan to value which basically means you only need five percent of a purchase price now in order to put down on a new property which is a massive incentive for people to buy so it's a it's a very very good time for all dancers or for whoever who are looking to buy um obviously five percent of a house in london is going to be a lot more than a five percent in a house in newcastle but still by the by there's 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 a massive opportunity there um and the, the saying is your network is your net worth if you have people around you who know more than you who you can call upon they can advise you in the correct way to do things um and yeah i i think just start early, start small, get cracking and um, just, yeah, start working towards it as soon as possible. Fab. And listeners of the show will know I've said that quote quite a lot because I think quite often we think of a network and your net worth in regards to people giving me jobs. But actually, you can be rich in the relationships that you have that can help you get to where you want to be. Um, Tommy, same question to you. Do you have any tips or tricks or advice for someone who's wanting to get on the property ladder? Yeah, uh, I mean, I echo Sean there. Definitely get in as early as possible that the uh, the one thing when people are asked if they regret anything about their investment journey is always, <laughs> almost always that they didn't start buying earlier, basically, because you could have had so much passive income in that time and you could have had so much cap- capital appreciation in that time. So th- the earlier, the better. There is some, um, you're going to have the first obstacle. Uh, one of the first obstacles is actually getting onto the, the mortgage ladder. If you want to um, own a property, there's loads of other ways you can make uh, money from property where you don't have to own the property. Um, but that's a, a different conversation because there's lots of different strategies within that. But if you want to get on the actual property ladder or mortgage ladder, um, there is a few hoops you may have to jump through if you want to buy a first investment property, for example, because there's a lot less, lot less lenders that would accept you as a first time buyer as a landlord, as, a, as an investment. So, for example, some people have piggybacked of someone else who are already um a property um, or has a mortgage already because once you have your first mortgage you're not uh, considered a first-time buyer then you have lots of options out there we have so many lenders in the UK um, but it's just getting through the door so um, so it could be for example just maybe one lender or two lenders at out there but if you don't fit the criteria you can't get on it with those particular lenders but you could go together with someone who owns a property and then you uh, can piggyback off them and go wherever lender they uh, qualify for after six months you're not considered a first-time buyer anymore and then you're open to most of the market um, you could also start with buying your own home first, um, whether that's, a, you know, you may have to go outside London if you want to buy your first home. Um, it could be a temporary thing, for example. Maybe you, you do that for a while and then eventually you rent out. You maybe convert it to a buy-to-let mortgage, but you are not a um, first-time buyer anymore. And that would they will just make it a lot easier for you to get lending in the future. And having your prime residence also opens up even more doors than just being on a property ladder because there's quite a few lenders out there that requires that you own your own home as opposed to just having buy to let so there are definitely uh, many different ways and yes this new 
um, incentive. It's going to be very interesting for 5% deposit. I fear a little bit that um, the interest rates might be very high. So even though if um, people might be able to get the deposits, if it's just like, say, £10,000 or something, which is not a huge amount for, for property, but if the, you're going to have 95% loan to value on that and the interest is going to be higher than other mortgages, it might be that people can't actually afford it. That might be another stumbling block. But we'll see. We, we don't know the details yet. But potentially, that could be uh, an enormous help for people to go on the ladder, at least. Yeah, no, fantastic. And I think all of you have been great at giving advice and hurdles you've overcome. But now let's talk about now. All of you still perform, but um, as you said earlier, Adam, maybe more on your own terms now. You guys pick the work you want to do um, and the, the the work that aligns with your values and where you are right now because you have this income coming from property. So that must be quite a nice position to be in. Because again, in, this, in our industry, you feel like you're grafting a lot, that your power was in the in your agent waiting for that one audition for that music to come around each year. So how does that feel now that you're all starting families, lives, and that you can actually, you don't have to take every job that comes your way. You can actually sit and think, right, do I want to do this? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, absolutely. You know, I've, I've got a little boy now, well, little boy, he's, he's 12 now. And I made the decision, you know, when he was sort of one or two, that I didn't really want to do so much touring anymore. Um, so I tried to sort of restrict, you know, the long year long tours, six month tours, this, that and the other world tours, which is when I started uh, my, my sports therapy business. But I realized that I, I missed performing. And so I came out of performing for maybe three years to do to do my sports massage business. And, and I just missed it too much. And I got back on it and I went on the road. Um, I did a sound of music tour and, you know, it was great. But I just missed the performing, but the touring was too much for me. And so I, I then gave up touring again and said, I only want to do, you know, local jobs. But that's when I started doing more TV and film. But I mean, I'm I'm 44 almost now. So my, my body certainly isn't what it used to be and could certainly wouldn't appreciate uh, a full eight show week schedule plus rehearsals and the social life and everything that goes with it. So... <clears throat> Yes, having the extra income has meant that, you know, there are jobs that would come in that I, I'm, you know, I would maybe have to go and do and take 70, 80 quid for doing an evening's work or this, that and the other. But as a result of that, I don't have to. And, and I think as well, the, the older you get, the more people you meet, the more connections you make, um, the the more opportunities open to you in, in all areas. And now I've got a sort of a set few choreographers that will call on me when they have a nice job come in and I try now just to do bits of tv film and any sort of commercial stuff um and and they're the re that generally they're all really nice jobs but also you know you can hang on a little bit for them and and they also pay a load more as well <laughs> i won't lie the finances are, are, are nice when you do tv and film as well but it's it's doing the jobs you you enjoy and not and like i said earlier it, it's being able to do the the jobs you you want to do not the jobs you have to do um yeah yeah 100 um sean how about you because obviously you obviously said earlier you still teach but 
there's there's joy in it as well as still performing and teaching where before when it was your main focus for income it can kind of detract from why you started or the love of it yeah and I, I think just basically the, the property thing has just given me a new lease of life like uh, it's given me more time to be able to focus on um, the teaching that I like which is basically for my own kids I don't generally I, I just still do but I don't generally teach for other people anywhere near as much as I used to um and and yeah like I think I think finding that new love because I've always you know we've always done dance because we love it and then you get to the point where you're like oh crap can't do it anymore what else do I love that journey is horrible that little space there I think we all go through it every single dancer unless you've gone straight into something which is I think quite rare well in my my experience has been quite rare unless you find that love of something else that that whole area is horrible um and i think for me property and learning about money learn about investing that's kind of absolutely given me another focus um so i'm kind of i love teaching now when i do teach um there's still some still some things i want to drop but bit by bit um but yeah now i love property and i see this as an end goal so uh, but then I still get to do bits of choreography jobs, which I absolutely love. And, and that's where I can still have a creative outlet, which I, I would never want to let go of because I think we're all creative at some point. So best of both worlds is, is for me the best way forward. Yeah, fab. Um, Tommy, same question to you. Also, all three of you had such amazing careers when I was doing my research that we've not actually touched upon, which I guess I'll just have to put links to your spotlight in the show notes or something, because I think it just goes to show that you can do it at any point in your career as well. And all of you've all worked across the spectrum of TV, film and theatre. So it's not like, oh, I'll wait until I get in the West End to get the money for a house. It's not you can actually make it work otherwise. Tommy, same question back to you. Life now as Tommy in property and dancer Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, when, I, when I went into property or was thinking about property was, I was getting really burnt out. I was working insanely much. I was doing probably at least 60 hours um, a week. I was often doing a show and then I, at the meantime, rehearsing for the next show that was going to overlap and go with the strain to the next contract. And I often had a few contracts back to back like that. And which is, you know, at the same time very lucky to have that much work or had that much work and um but i was so tired and i that's when i realized i can't keep this up forever and i did for for a while and then i just got so tired and i started to lose my passion a bit and that's why i started going searching for something else um and i took about yes i said like a year and a half two years where i was mainly doing property um i was still dancing a bit but uh, yeah, my passion wasn't there in the same way. Um, I kind of went for a, a full circle with it because by not taking every job that came, I came across, like to be able to kind of choose, um, I wasn't overwhelming myself with dance. I only took the jobs that are were more interesting. Um, actually, earning more from dance probably now than I did because the amount of time there was a job. I had nothing else I took it it wasn't very well paid and then you see two other three other job opportunities come up that would have been so much better but now I'm tied into this one <laughs> so so actually hanging out for the ones that are more fun better paid uh less stressful you know just more enjoyable and I started getting um, a passion back from for dancing whilst I'd had that kind of a bit of a gap and 
now I just got a really nice balance of doing jobs that I want to do, earning more from it at the same time, and then doing property. And I, I just love the mindset of people in property. I love hanging out with people like Adam and Sean, speaking to them, and we're all kind of on a similar journey. Everyone's a very giving in the property world, um, whereas in, in the dance industry or in the performance industry, people keep things to themselves a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of uh, big mindsets around uh, scarcity, I feel, in dance. Like, there's only so many jobs out there, so don't tell anyone. Whilst in property, we have more of an abundance uh, mindset. There's enough deals and properties to go around for everyone. So we just, the more people you help, the more, uh, the more you help yourself. And I, I just love that. And I love being around people like that. And that's why I'd love to give a little shout out to our clubhouse because it is of like-minded people, of all dancers who are interested and in, in, have got a passion for property. Um, and it's so open and so friendly. Uh, everyone in the group, that's like the, the moderators that they call them. Um, they're all great. So yeah, just encourage people to come on and ask questions or just have a chat with us. It's, it's really good. It's a good place. Yeah, that's the perfect um, segue. Because we're gonna, I'm gonna let you guys go because I know you've got busy, busy life, some houses to buy. But tell us a, a bit more. Where is obviously the clubhouse is on Clubhouse, but what days is it, and where can people find you? Whether that's as performers or as property wizards, and they want to speak to you, where can they find you all? Um, Sean, do you want to take the mic first? Where Where is your clubhouse? At what time is your clubhouse room, and where can people find you online? So I'll meet you in Freedom on the 21st of June. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Clubhouse Room is every Wednesday evening, 8 till 9, and then every Sunday morning, uh, 10 till 11.30-ish. I kind of let that run because it's kind of a bit of a more chilled free one. And where you can find me, find me on Instagram. I've Sean Paul, my personal is Sean Paul 1100, but I've got Sean Paul Property uh, Instagram as well. So yeah, if you want to ask any questions, I'm more than happy, like the boys here, more than happy to help with anything, even if it's just a little chat. Um, yeah, I think we're all more than open and you know ready to help people as much as we can. So yeah. Fab, I'll make sure to put all of your handles and links in the show notes as well. So anyone listening, you don't have to scramble to write it down. The, the notes will be, um, their contact details will be in the show notes. Adam, tell us where can people find you? Yeah, I, again, like Sean, I've got the same clubhouse and Instagram hat. Well, not, I don't know if you have the same one. Anyway, my clubhouse handle and Instagram handle is Adam Galbo. Um, and as Sean said, you know, we're we're not trainers, but I have since since being on Clubhouse and our Clubhouse room, we have connected with so many people that we're not necessarily only in our network, but people that have been invited in and people that have brought people in. It's just a little community that we want to be able to grow and help people along where where we can and. I've got I've had so many people sort of DM me on Instagram after after our talks just to chat further and I I'm so happy because it's it's like when I'm doing my journeys up to Liverpool I've got 3 hours in the car that I can kill and I if I can help someone out in that journey in the car it just it's it's a real good sort of feel factor for me it's a bit of a selfish Thing where it's really nice to know that I've been able to help or advise someone um, and I've had messages back but yeah contact any of us come along to our clubhouse groups and um, and and come in ask questions say hi and um, we're, we're always here to help as much as we can yeah no it's such a supportive group I'm at the very beginning of my property ladder hopefully 
sorting all out, that all out in the next couple of months, which is exciting. But I remember when I come in one of the rooms once, I, f- I felt a bit like Peter Pan because I didn't feel like a grown up because you guys are all like, you're just giving so much value, but not from a place of like telling me what to do. It was this really welcome space and like no question was silly, which I am absolutely love. So thank you for that. That's, that's the wonderful thing, Jamie, about like, um, that's completely different to the property industry, right? Um, Obviously, as a performer, everyone is just everyone's after that job. But at the end of the day, a job boils down to whether you are the right look or suited for that role that they're trying to fill. And people get hit up that they're not good enough, but actually often they're just not the right fit for that particular role. But so in a, in a way, they have a mindset of like, well, I need this job. It's I need this job. I need this job. That's what it's all about. Right. I need this job. Whereas in property, there is such a helping community. It's completely different. Like I start at the bottom of the ladder. I've got three or four places up. Tommy's up there and he's helping me up. Sean's down here or we're all down. We're all looking down to help people up and be helped up along the way. The network and the community is amazing. And, you know, apart from a couple of rogue people that we have come across in our in our past um and it's literally only a couple the the people in this industry are more than happy to help out um and help others up with them amazing Um, and tommy before i let you go where can people find you online i was just going to add on to uh, adams or clarify that uh, people in property investment yes they're great builders don't belong there (laughs) they don't have the same mindset (laughs) for example a lot of the people that you use in property are not investors but the people in investment yes they're they're great um yeah um my instagram handle is tommy the franzen i've also got uh, a property one which is tommy franzen property Uh, my clubhouse is tommy franzen yeah so again touch and we we'd love to grow the community help more performers into property uh, i mean as much as i love spending time with uh, sean and adam I'd, I'd, I'd love to spend time with some other people as well <laughs> <laughs> amazing guys thank you all for taking the time out of your day um as i said they're all approachable so do reach out to them if you want any advice or just bands check out their clubhouse a massive thank you to tommy sean and adam for taking the time out of the day to join me on the podcast i'm sure you will agree with me that it was an amazing episode where we learned so much their contact details are in the show notes and as it comes across in the podcast they are all so lovely and welcoming so do chuck them a message if you want to know anything about property and i think probably just anything about for a chat do head over to apple Podcasts and leave your review and i'll be back next week <laughs>